Hello, before we start in the great tradition of the BBFC, I'd just like to warn you that we are going to discuss dangerous, imitable behaviour, including suicide. We're also going to briefly talk about sexual and sadistic violence, and that makes the podcast not suitable for those under the age of 15. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. It's simple. Kill the Batman. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Hello and welcome to the Film Classification Podcast from the BBFC. My name is James Blatch. This is the final podcast of 2012 and it's a big one. We've got lots to talk about. We're going to discuss sexual and sadistic violence following the publication of a BBFC report as well as our main subject. But before we do anything else, I would like to introduce our new co-host, Emily Fussell. Thank you very much. We always ask our co-presenters to say a little bit about themselves and where they come from. Not the whole story. Birmingham. Yeah, that'll, that'll do. For <laughs> and since then, professionally, where do you come from? Uh, I Before this job, I used to run a cinema in Yorkshire um, called Hebden Bridge Picture House. Um, a little tiny town on the Pennines um, with a big cinema. It was great. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I think people in the industry and our customers will be pleased to hear people who come from the film industry. And we are all quite passionate about film, aren't we? Yeah, completely. I think that's one of the reasons why we're all doing this job. Yeah. I don't mind getting a bit square-eyed. Do you think you'll go back to running a cinema one day? God, I'd love to. Little I really would. Emily's I spend my house. half of my time looking around for empty buildings, thinking of places that I could make mm. into a cinema. Uh, I'm just going to run through one or two news items. The first one is that we have relaunched the BBFC website. Now, I know that you've been a little bit involved in this. You've, we should also say, uh, can we can say that you've been off for a year because you've... Yeah, more than a you've, year. You've grown... The world population by two. Yes, hooray. In one go. I have indeed. A little boy and a girl fussel have appeared. Um, but you're back in the s- on the scene and the website has been relaunched and it's been launched and it all looks lovely. Sparkly and new, it's beautiful. It does and it, it looks very nice but the key thing is that there are some changes to the search engine which should help consumers can find the information they need to quickly about films and also groups films together or groups the elements of a single film together a bit better than it did before. We've also made some enhancements to the areas of particular interest to our customers, to the film industry in general. And I should also say that the back catalogue of podcasts is on there and accessible. So this is number nine, but there are eight previous ones, should you wish, one winter's evening as the flood water laps at your door. That lull between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, that's the time yeah. Yeah, to Just listen to the podcast. Listen to some podcasts. Perfect. We have the book, which is um, Behind the Scenes at the BBFC, Film Classification from the Silver Screen to the Digital Age. £14.44, I noticed. That's it's a, l- a hefty tome. It, it really is. It is. There's a lot in there. And a lot of different people have contributed. It's not, you're not reading one author all the way through. We've, had, we've drawn from different voices, haven't we? We have. Say yes. <laughs> and £14.44 at a leading on online retailer. It is available. On the film front, notable films, I'm going to mention The Hobbit, which we have classified at 12A. And I've had a few parents. Surprise, surprise. I know. It's not that big a surprise, is it? But I've had a few parents of, um, of, sort of nine and ten-year-olds saying, please, please, is it going to be a PG? Uh, but it's not. It's uh, very much in line with the previous Lord of the Rings films. And if you're a parent thinking about taking your child there, I think the best advice we can give you is that the film is very much from a, a, an issue point of view in line with those previous Lord of the Rings films. It gives you a very strong idea. Fantasy violence. Of what to expect, indeed. 
Um, the other film I was going to mention is Jack Reacher, and this is based on a series of novels, a bit of a James Bond-type character. I strongly suspect that the film company are hoping this is going to be a good franchise for them in the future. They have Tom Cruise playing in the title role. Uh, we have passed it at 12A, but only after a couple of cuts were made to it. So cuts were made, and this is a cuts for category, so it would have got a 15 uncut, so it wasn't our choice. Ultimately, it's the distributor who chooses to make these cuts to achieve a particular category, in this case 12A, and we have published this on the website. They reduced a couple of moments of violence, a woman being suffocated by a man and a man being hit over the head with a rock, the sort of thing that goes uh, at 15, depending on how it's portrayed, but in that case it wasn't really suitable at 12A. So Jack Reacher does get a 12A, but only after uh, a couple, I think it amounted to about two seconds. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's really, See if you can spot the joints. Yeah, yeah, really, really quick. And no doubt that the um, 15 version will be released on in due course on, uh, on home media. Right, two interviews this week. Firstly, let's deal with sexual and sadistic violence. Now, the BBFC has commissioned a report into public attitudes into this uh, controversial subject. And we've made the findings public. You can access the report via our website. I wanted to clarify the BBFC's position. There's been a lot of chatter on Twitter about it and on websites around the planet, in fact, on this subject. Uh, So a few moments ago, I spoke to David Austin, who's the head of policy for the board, and I began by asking him, well, why we commissioned this research in the first place. Our existing policy on sexual violence is is several years old now. It's based in part on research carried out in the United States in the 1980s and on research carried out by Guy Cumberbatch uh, called Where Do You Draw the the Line, which you can find on our website, into um, attitudes towards depictions of sexual and sadistic violence in films. So the the Cumberbatch research is now 10 years old and uh, we wanted to make sure that we were still in the right place as far as the public's concerned, especially since um, our policy had had been challenged recently by a number of um, quite difficult films, including a Serbian film, which uh, we we cut heavily for its depiction of sexual violence, including involving children and a baby. Um, Films like the remake of I Spit on Your Grave, which depicted gang rape uh, as a kind of male bonding experience, and um, The Bunny Game, which we rejected. That film consists entirely of a a truck driver uh, sexually uh, torturing a prostitute. And just on that point, I suppose it's worth making making the obvious point that we intervene a fair amount of our interventions are on this subject at the top of the adult category. So it's more important, perhaps, that we have a firm foundation for making those decisions. Absolutely, absolutely. Because w- one of the principles in, in our guidelines, and this comes out in the research all the time, the public tells us that adults should be able to should be free to, ch- to make their own choices about what they, what they watch, and that certainly is a key principle of ours. But there are a couple of caveats to that, and again, this research brought out those caveats as well. First of all, the, the activity depicted must be legal. So if there's anything illegal in a film, then... We're obliged by law, in fact, to, to, to remove it. So, for instance, a depiction of animal cruelty, we, we are required by law to remove that from a film. So the first point is legal, and the second is, if, if the caveat is, if it's potentially harmful. Uh, so the, the Video Recordings Act, for example, tells us that we have to apply the test of harm. And so we look at certain depictions as to whether they can be harmful in terms of influencing attitudes, in terms of influencing behaviour and that kind of thing. Now, what are the headlines that people have drawn from this in the press is that we are becoming stricter, tightening up in this area. Is that how you would characterise our approach? If you look at our policy response and you look at the research, you'll see a direct correlation 
between what the public told us was they felt was okay and what they felt wasn't okay in terms of potential harm. So we've taken from that research a list of, of aggravating and mitigating factors, which the public told us were aggravating and mitigating, uh, to, to make sure we're exactly in the place that the public expects us to be in relation to classifying this kind of content. Because it was clear from the, the, the conclusions of the research that our policy was basically sound and the fundamentals were sound, but we weren't in exactly the same place as the public. So we've adjusted it uh, in line with what, where the public wants us to be. In terms of specifics, what, what were the public concerns that we've addressed? Well, there are a number, a number of concerns that the public raised. The, 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 the first one I'll mention is um, it's concern over any depiction of, of rape, for instance, that endorses or normalises rape. Um, and, and, and anything that could promote the, the so-called rape myth that women, um, because generally the victims in, 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 the, in the films that the public looked at were, were women, anything that um, suggests that women can respond sexually to rape. So, for instance, um, the public looked at, um, members of the public looked at the film Grotesque, which is a, a Japanese horror film, and they looked at a, an, a, another film from the Far East called Sex and Zen. And in both those films, there are sequences in which women are raped, but they respond sexually to the rape. So basically giving the message that when a woman says no, actually what they mean is, is maybe or even in both those films, yes. One of the, another issue that came out very strongly in relation to a Serbian film is the presence of children in any sexually violent scene. Um, there's not only the rape of children and a newborn baby in a Serbian film, but there's a, 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 a young female character who is seen in a number of sexually violent situations. One scene she's sucking a lollipop in a kind of suggestive way, and then she actually takes part in some of the, the, the sexual assaults. And again, the public felt that this was um, you know, potentially a risky depiction in terms of how it might influence um, attitudes, particularly of sexually inexperienced, inexperienced young men who might be accessing a diet of this kind of content. Okay, well we've had some comments on Twitter over the last uh, 24 hours really. Indeed. This, this has all taken off, so let me throw one or two of those at you. Um, a common question was, what recent films would the BBFC classify differently? I think it's a very difficult question to answer, and so in fact I don't propose to answer it. But there's a table on page 12 of the research, so I'd urge you to urge, urge listeners to, to check this out. This is on our on our website in the research section. So page 12, there's a table which gives an overview of the material that the public looked at, and it compares how we classified the film and what the public thought, how the public would want us to classify it. And, and, and if you look, there's, there's basically a correlation that where we've passed works 18 uncut, the public has generally agreed with that. Where we've made cuts, the public has generally agreed. And where we've rejected, the public's generally agreed. But there are some key differences. So if you take a film like The Killer Inside Me, which we classified 18 uncut, members of the focus groups and, and, and people that watched, watched these films said that, some of them said that uh, we should have cut the film. They were concerned specifically about sequences in which Jessica Alba is seen to be enjoying very violent, rough sex, and in which she arguably enjoys being beaten almost to death by Casey Affleck. And, and some people, some of the participants in the research felt that both Casey Affleck and Jessica Alba are, are appealing characters. They, you know, appealing to young men, for example, and they felt there was a, a risk that young men with without much life experience could take away from this film the message that you know women actually enjoy violent sex and they enjoy being beaten now that's one reading of the film we when we classified the film we didn't take that reading we felt that by the time that um casey affleck behaves 
in, in the way that he does in those two sequences, the audience is, is pretty clear that he's a psychopath and he's not a sort of, he may be a charismatic actor, but in, and to a certain extent he's charismatic in the film, but he is clearly a psychopath and his behaviour is not seen as, as normal at all. So that's one of the reasons that we gave the film uh, an 18 without in, intervening at all. So there are different readings of, the, of, of mm. some of the films and we didn't always take the same reading as the public did. Okay, comment here from um, Twitter. Here's a radical idea. Why not allow adults to decide for themselves what is and isn't suitable? Well, I think all else being equal, that's a pretty fair comment. And again, I'll come back to the principle and the guidelines that adults sh are, should be free to choose what they want. But again, I'll come back to the two caveats, provided that the activity depicted isn't illegal and provided it's not harmful. Um, and there are various laws that we have to obey. It's part of our conditions that we, we will not pass anything that is potentially illegal. So um, if we think it is illegal, we, for instance, it's obscene, contravenes any other law, then we will not pass it because that's what we are instructed uh, by the Secretary of State to do. Um, and harm is a, is, a, is a test that comes under the Video Recordings Act. So if something is potentially harmful, we are again required by law to consider that. And um, there are incidents, there are instances in films where we take specific medical advice, we speak to um, experts in the field to say, is, is there a potential harm here? And if the answer is yes, then we, by law, we are required to intervene. And that's what the public would expect us to do. Okay, David, thank you very much. There's, a, I think, a point worth making here, which is, and you touched on it just now, this is not the BBFC, and there has been moments in the past where we have had to react to pressure, to moral panics, to newspaper campaigns. This is, in our own time, serious research and coming up with a considered position rather than having to respond to events, which is surely a better way of doing it. Well, exactly. This is... This is um this research has taken probably from beginning to end the whole project because it started with a literature review and review of our previous policy. It's probably taken about 18 months to come to fruition, probably closer to two years. So this is a very considered, um, proper professional research, it's not in response to any moral panic, uh, but we want to make sure that our decisions and our standards are in line with what the public expects. And so that's part of ensuring that we continue to reflect what the public wants us to do. David Austin, who I was talking to just a few moments ago. Gemini, this is Houston. Do you copy? Roger that, Houston. This is Captain Fred Randall. Well, that, you're listening to Houston. is the opening sequence to a Disney film called Rocket Man, which was released a few years ago. Difficult to tell listening to that, but I can explain that as the camera pulls back from the boy who's clearly pretending to be in a spacecraft looking out of a porthole, he's actually in a tumble dryer. And you hear it go off and you hear his parents arrive to rescue him and, well, Emily Fussell not really admonish him in that case, did they? Not really at all. I mean, you, you would expect them to sort of say, you idiot, get out of the washing machine, you could have killed yourself. But no, they no. just congratulate him on his yeah. being a little moon man. Exactly, and uh, the reason we played it, it's a good introduction to this whole area that we're now going to talk about, which is imitable techniques. And just to finish the story on that particular uh, clip, that is a, a sequence, even though it was the opening sequence of the film that we did ask Disney to remove uh, for distribution in the UK. And the reason for that is because, in fact, if you don't do this job, this is the sort of thing you don't notice, but every year in this country, uh, somewhere, a very small child cra crawls into 
confined space and usually dies. And it's already happened this year. I noticed a little piece on the front page of one of the newspapers. A boy pulled himself into a tumble dryer, in fact, and the door closes. You can't get out when you're, you pull the door. You actually don't have very long in there. And if it starts, as it did in that sequence, there's no hope for you. And you certainly cannot be heard. Another thing that was implied in that sequence, there were lots of problems with that, showing that to a young audience. Yeah, totally. The, the fact that there's a kid in the washing machine, there's the fact that the kid in the washing machine is having a really great time inside the washing machine or tumble dryer or whatever it is, um, and the fact that his parents don't tell him off about it were all reasons why we felt that that was particularly dangerous. Um, and it's about, you know, if there's one or two children every year who will die, if you, if you can stop that one or, you know, there's one or two children... Then, um, then we're doing our job properly. Yeah, and there is a sliding scale here on intervention. I mean, clearly, portrayals of children not being strapped in properly in the car is one thing. A child playing, which is quite an invitation to a child watching and having fun, doing something that is potentially fatal, is right at the top end of where, and clearly, we are going to intervene using our powers under the Video Recordings Act. Yeah, with case. no acknowledgement that what he's doing is dangerous. And I think even if his parents actually had said you shouldn't have been doing that. We'd probably still have been concerned about it because of the child's age and, and what he's doing. And uh, the fact that it's the opening of the film as well, which is another, you know, you're straight in there. Yeah. And there's a, there are options, of course. We could offer the company a higher category, of 12 or a 15, at which point children clearly are old enough to know better. Um, but a film like that doesn't work at 12 and 15. It's clearly... No, old. it's about a kid, the yeah. kid in the washing machine. Um, yeah. It works without that scene, I think. So, so let's carry on um, talking about uh, imitable techniques and we'll go through the, roughly go through the categories, start with the junior end of it. But first of all, I just wanted to point out uh, some of the legal framework around the work that we do here. There are two acts of parliament, two main acts of parliament which we use to work. One is the Video Recordings Act, obviously for DVD and other forms of video, and the Licensing Act, which pertains to films in cinemas, as he used to run Emily and the VRA does ask us specifically to be mindful for the potential of harm from viewing material and the licensing act actually also says that one of its objectives is to protect children from harm so in both cases there is a legal backing for the work we do here in our guidelines we flesh this out a bit we talk about classification decisions will take into account any detailed portrayal of criminal and violent techniques and any glamorization of easily accessible weapons such as knives Works that portray antisocial behaviour, for example, bullying, uncritically are likely to receive a more restrictive classification. And works, works which, taken as a whole, actively promote illegal behaviour will be cut or rejected. Portrayals of potentially dangerous behaviour, especially relating to hanging, suicide and self-harm, which children and young people are likely to copy, will be cut if a more restrictive classification is not appropriate. I'll quickly mention drugs, which w will crop up a little bit in our discussion here. I am going to save drugs as a topic for a later podcast because it's its whole own area. Um, but for a late night one. <laughs> yeah, the late night special. <laughs> You're very naughty, Emily. Um, but the, uh, clearly it does come up in terms of instructional detail, novel technique, but we'll mention it from time to time. Okay, let's carry on at uh, the U and PG category. Uh, it's a particular area, probably the, the most concerning and the... Uh, yeah, in terms of imitable behaviour, what we're most worried about is protecting children. And so we we do intervene, not a lot by any stretch of the imagination, but more at the junior categories than we do perhaps higher up. So there will be things like 
the rocket man example is really good where a child is doing something that's dangerous that other children who are watching might copy and might hurt themselves and there is again we always balance these decisions we don't want to intervene if we uh, can possibly avoid it so i can give you an example of somebody going to a fridge where we didn't intervene even though the film was aimed at a type of junior audience and that's the recent indiana jones film the indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull where it was an exciting opening sequence, as I recall, in which uh, Indy finds himself um, in a test area for a nuclear explosion. He decides to hide in the fridge and he gets flung about. And we took a you know common sense view on that. Uh, well, not a common sense view, that's the wrong way to say it. We took a view on that, which was that it wasn't a child doing it. It wasn't an attractive, playful thing to do. It was a very specific, quite distanced and removed scenario and in those circumstances also a film that's not aimed at very young children in those circumstances that was acceptable yeah and the ridiculousness of the entire situation it was ridiculous clearly i think it could all happen quite realistic you had a fridge in the middle of a nuclear test well they put a town there didn't they because they wanted to see what happened to the town there was a whole town they put the fridges there and everything there are quite a few areas particularly in children's film which uh, we as examiners all always have to have our eyes open for uh, electric sockets is one so sort of sticking fingers into electric sockets sort of yeah, thing we had some extra for um meet the robinsons meet the robinsons where a robot character stuck his finger in an electric socket and was fine and I mean, f- yeah even though he was a robot it's yeah. a kid's film aimed at kids you know they might identify with a robot sticking your fingers in a plug socket probably not a great idea no and it is easy to forget as an adult that you do have to be taught this stuff as children i can remember just about being taught we had some really old victorian house in one place we lived and the sockets were all crumbling and falling apart and you could see the wires and you know it was very tempting to yeah be. i feel like i spent half my day yeah. stopping children from putting <laughs> their fingers in sockets so when a film comes along aimed at young children and it portrays it it's not particularly helpful so meet the robinsons that was a cut uh, for the bonus material that went onto the disc uh, we also had a cartoon with the knife going into a toaster sort of thing you're told not to do as a child um I mentioned the double head clap and headbutts because I think we've moved a little bit on this subject. There was a time, certainly in the 1990s. The ear clap. Double head clap, ear clap. Double head clap? Double ear clap. Yeah, you haven't got two heads, have you? On the ears. What about banging two heads together? Yeah, no, that's what I think that's what makes you think of. Okay, double ear clap. Yeah, very good point. In the 90s, and I suppose the same time under director Jim Furman when we were making cuts chain sticks chains that all sorts of sites of any kind of martial arts equipment and paraphernalia and moves was, was cut very quickly we also um, clamped down on on the side of headbutts because they're easy to do and they can be very harmful um, we have to look at how they're happening how the technique is portrayed and the context nowadays really before we're going to intervene is it something that's inviting so in a fight sequence, which again is not something that's there because you know it's part of an arc of story with good and bad, we're probably not going to intervene on head headbutts and so on anymore because we don't feel that there's that invitation to copy. No, and it's also like really rare for you to have a film that's aimed at children that's going to have those kind of fighting techniques. And I think Spy Kids, there was a girl headbutts a robot version of her brother. And, and her head hurts a lot after yeah. doing it because he's obviously made of metal. And we felt that because she'd learned from the fact that she'd headbutted him that it hurts, it probably didn't make the kids in the audience think that that would look like a good thing to do. But one area, as we're heading into colder weather, that uh, you may not immediately think about is is walking and skating on ice. Walking oh, on ice. Oh, Sally Mally, which is... Um, yeah, Welsh. 
Yeah, Welsh language animation. Um, there was an episode of that where the main character goes skating on a frozen lake without any adult supervision. And again, that was one of those instances where when we said to the company, we were a little bit worried about this, they said, oh, yes, and withdrew it. So, in fact, that wasn't classified because the company decided that they didn't want to release that on, on video after all. That's always, I suppose, quite pleasing for us because we're showing that we are experts in this field and we have an expertise that perhaps production companies, they'll always have their compliance, always work hard to, to fit in, but some things are just kind of outside their area of experience and we can pick up on that. Yeah, and I think if you're making a story and you're trying to make it exciting, you think about the elements that would make it exciting without necessarily thinking about what children in the audience might take from it and 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 it's our job to... Point I always out. feel bad for animation cuts though because you think how much time yeah, totally. <laughs> went into um, even those few seconds. Uh, bags on head, something else that uh, normally we would expect to see a bag on head uh, portrayal in a junior category as part of a warning about it. That's the, that's the example we would expect to see. Occasionally we get, um, we actually had an, an episode of My Name is Earl, not aimed at children but possibly potentially watched by children. Some of those episodes do go um, yeah, it used higher. to sh show on TV at sort of six o'clock in the Yeah, the PG it? and 12, a lot of the episodes, and uh, and Earl's a bit of a buffoon with his brother, who's even more of a buffoon, and they did stick bags on a load of children's heads to give them the experience of being in space, and they started passing out, and it was because, the problem was because it was funny, that was an issue for it's us. It's quite funny. And the, the character Randy, who's Earl's brother, also puts a bag on his head, passes out and says, I can see grandma. Yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> excitedly. And here so we are laughing. Put a bag on your head, you can see your dead grandmother. And at 15, no problem. At PG and 12, at PG and U, certainly that is a problem. So that, that went up the categories for that. Uh, and also, just before we move off um, junior categories, I wanted to talk about fireworks, which we are going to talk about also in uh, higher categories but fireworks particularly we had an issue with toy story funnily enough yeah because i, I mean in general we don't like to sort of have a, a kind of u level kids playing with matches lighting fireworks that kind of thing um and in toy story the first toy story um you see buzz and woody lighting a firework in order to sort of send Woody up in the air so he catches the moving truck um, which was something that did give us a bit of pause for thought because you don't essentially want children in the audience thinking oh that looks like a good idea if I find these matches then I can light a firework but we felt that the context was so specific that it was two clearly fantasy characters, two toys um, trying to remedy a situation that, that we felt that it was, it was probably okay I think it's also worth pointing out that Woody and Buzz, although clearly fantastical characters based on toys, are actually adult-like characters in Toy Story. Yeah. They have an adult relationship with, you know, o overseeing their child who plays with them. Uh, and that's how it comes across, rather than seeing necessarily a child playing with fireworks. Uh, and one of the reasons, you know, we, we would be a bit nervous about that is because it runs so contrary to the message that schools and parents give their children every year about not playing with fireworks to see it validated and a film would be potentially an issue there was an earlier moment in that toy story with film sid with sid yeah much less of an issue who because is a child he um, is a child but he's but also the baddie he's the baddie and that's very clearly the villain of the piece um and that makes it a little bit easier in terms of it's a what we call a mitigating factor i suppose rather than an aggravating one 
And um, we did actually put the film to PG. Yeah. You're looking at me blankly. Yes, we did. Um, but nonetheless, those elements weren't stayed in it. Excised from it. Okay, should we should we go on to hanging? All right then. It's a jolly subject. <laughs> so hanging. Hanging. We get we get a reasonable amount of hanging. You we may do. be surprised to hear. There's quite a lot of hanging about in films. Um, there's there's a problem with hanging in a number of ways. One is a instructional amount of detail to show how easy it can be done in particular ways i mean it's and it can i mean one of the main problem is that it can be done incredibly easily and again like we were saying before about stories about kids getting themselves stuck in fridge freezers or washing machines or whatever there are stories every year about children who've accidentally hung themselves and so it's something that we're really concerned about so not necessarily aiming to hang themselves but putting things around necks would be would be an issue for us um there's another problem with the portrayal of hanging that's survivable, which sounds an odd way, maybe counterintuitive, that if somebody survives, it's more of a problem than if they die. But actually, it is a problem to show hanging and then somebody walking away from it. And it's quite an old example, but the mummy uh, actually has been in not that long ago and is still cut at 12A, but passed uncut at 15, where the main character, Brendan Fraser, Fraser is hanging for quite a long period of time then yeah, it really appears you sort of see it cut away, cut back again. He's still hanging Still there. hanging. But but, uh, and is fine when he's cut down, which, which obviously is a problem because if you hang for not very long at all, you're going to die. And a slightly higher category, but The Devil's Whore had a similar, very yeah, long was that a TV drawn out. Show. It was a TV that was released on DVD and there was a scene where the main character was, was hanging, was hanged and was hanging for a very long time before she was also cut down and survived and the idea that you can put a rope around your neck take your feet off the ground and hang there and walk away from it is not one that we uh, necessarily want to show very often unless it's you know very uh, an adult audience that yeah, realizes exactly. that that's it, not the that case that sort of thing would generally result in the raising of the category. There is an example of something that was cut even at 18 for hanging, um, and another TV show that was released on DVD called Jake's Progress, um, which is an Alan Bleasdale drama about a little kid, essentially, is, is at the heart of the story. And in a scene in that, you see this little kid um, climb on a dustbin underneath a washing line in his garden and wrap the washing line around his neck and then kick the bin away and and again he's he's hanging there for a good period of time before he's he's rescued by his father um and and we cut that even at 18 because of the amount of detail in the hanging that was present there yeah the amount of detail the instructional detail also the suggestion that he would survive um he did survive in that case uh, were all aggravating factors there. And that's unusual to cut at 18, but we did. Uh, examples back down at 12, where we have had some hanging. We had uh, hanging in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus and also in the first Sherlock Holmes. Um, not the first Sherlock Not the Holmes. first ever Isn't Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes the most filmed character Probably. ever, ever? I'm talking about Guy Ritchie's Sorry. Sherlock yes. Holmes. Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. And Jude, Jude Law. Law. Uh, and in both those examples, the Parnassus and Sherlock Holmes, they weren't real. They're hanging scenes, but it's made really clear that they're fake. That in the Parnassus one, he, he sort of swallows a tube that stops his windpipe from shattering. And the Sherlock Holmes one, he's, he's hanging up by some kind of a brace on his back, so he's just yeah. pretending to hang himself. He's fine. I did have Harold and Maud in, in theatre 
recently. Such a great film. And that stays, very black film, but stays at 15 in part because of a hanging scene at the beginning. And his, he also fakes a hanging, although it's a misdirection to the audience. And if you haven't seen the film before, you will be misdirected into thinking that he's actually hanged and is dead. Uh, and there's no indication at all of how he does it. Clearly it's done with visual effects or, you know, some stunt. Um, and it's not attached at the top, but we see his legs dangling, and that's is a bit of a problem more than a, more so than um, the two examples we gave, where it's clear that it's uh, it's a stunt. Okay, one or two other areas then before we wrap up this discussion on imitable techniques, and quite a fun one, quite an interesting one is cr- no, more fun than hanging, should we say? Oh, much more much fun, more fun than, than hanging. It's criminal techniques. What could be more fun than hanging? Which is one of those things that before you work at the BBFC, you don't have too much knowledge about or even really consider, and when you work here, you become a little bit of an expert in what criminal techniques work and what don't work. So one of the first a lot ex- of googling goes a lot of googling goes on, and we do even talk to experts in the police occasionally. Um, so you remember the way of opening a car where you cut a little hole into the um, tennis ball and then you punch it to open the car door. That does not work. That does not work. So some hot wiring, we know what hot wiring works, what hot wiring doesn't work. And we will cut a very clear instructional detail on how to get a car started without keys. Although, frankly, the modern cars are yeah, exactly. impossible been in to trouble. do. Um, but if you do want to steal an old Cortina. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You could just probably ask the bloke 250 yeah. quid to be yours. Um, if that if that well if it's a really nice like a Mark 1 uh, yeah, really nicely done probably a couple of thousand vintage these days. Yeah. Uh, there was a film called The Next Three Days which was uh, both a French film and an American uh, remake with Russell Crowe Elizabeth Banks in it and Russell Crowe plays this mild mannered university lecturer who has to spring his wife out of a maximum security jail and he has to learn a criminal technique for opening a door go rusty go rusty and it was one of those ones I was examining it uh, with our colleague Mark Dawson and we both looked at this happening and thought, I've never heard of this technique. Is this real? And he watches a YouTube video, which you can't fully see. We see a bit of it. And we spoke to the police afterwards and they said, oh, yes, that's real. And uh, they weren't particularly happy about it. In fact, they weren't happy it going out on video. In the cinema, things go past you a bit quick, more quickly. You don't get a chance to rewatch it. And we felt it was less of an issue. When it did come in on Blu-ray, we'd already made a note to, to have a look at this scene and work out how much detail was there. And uh, lo and behold, as one of the extras on the Blu-ray was the full YouTube video on how to do this. So we did actually, under the VRA, make an intervention with the next three days and cut that uh, YouTube video. Uh, Fight Club and Grand Theft Auto 4, examples of where you think you're seeing some instructional detail, but there's key things wrong. Yeah, the Fight Club one is a famous scene where the guy, guy, I think he's on a plane, is he? And the guy next to him tells him how to make napalm out of orange juice and bleach or something that is found in his cupboard and and the instructions are quite detailed but they're wrong and yeah. so the reason why that passed out is because there's no way that someone watching it could copy it and achieve the same results and gta 4 was quite a witty song about how to make crystal meth and it seemed the point of it seemed to be that it was accurate and based on household ingredients uh, but in actual fact not all of it was there and it wasn't uh, there wasn't an instruction that you could follow, so that went through. But we used to get that a lot, and there's a TV series called MacGyver, um, where basically every single episode, MacGyver makes a bomb out of something that's just lying around or 
create some sort of weapon and you would find yourself if you had a few episodes of MacGyver sort of looking on the internet ringing people up asking it can you really can make you a bomb this? out of hairspray and, and of course it's jelly. That accessibility that's yeah. the key thing so chemicals that you'd find in your house um, light bulb bombs if you're shown how to make those accurately there's a bit of light bulb bomb making in the latest Bond there film but there's Skyfall. no no instructional detail that's a problem there we have had it in the past where you are very clearly step by step shown something uh, I think it's probably quite tricky I would imagine and quite dangerous to say the least which is one of the reasons why we would intervene okay two other quick areas to mention Um, one is I said fireworks is the adult category we did make an intervention on the jackass movies um, where a firework was inserted into somebody's bum bum into somebody's bottom (laughs) and lit sort of thing they do on jackass and we undenied about this a bit but it, it looked it did look fun they were all laughing and it's incredibly dangerous and you don't want to do it and we intervened and i think there was a little bit of comment in one or two of the websites and the press that maybe or, or certainly the websites maybe we've been a bit uh, nanny statish over this particular one but lo and behold a few months later despite the fact that we had intervened i read in the paper that somebody in this country had stuck a firework up their bum and lit it and had ended up with a burnt anus and was it a student rectal area i don't know who it was but he's probably not going to do it again so you know there are people out there drunk people given a good idea um so we do intervene occasionally where it's really obvious and there's a kind of invitation there's some exacerbating factors uh, and the potential for harm is severe where we'll occasionally intervene but it is rare i should point out also very very last thing before we uh, we wrap up which is drugs where do we intervene with drugs? Well, in terms of instructional technique, there are occasionally documentaries that will have a clear instructional detail on how to make particular drugs. I mentioned yeah, the crystal there was meth. One called the Hashman, I believe. The Hashman. We had the gang tapes as well. Yeah, exactly. And um, we had yeah we had a whole DVD series submitted once, which was basically a guide to growing cannabis and how to do it accurately, how to get a, a bountiful harvest, and we're we actually cannot legally pass something that's encouraging UK law breaking in that sense and so that was rejected on that basis but it takes it would take some novel instructional technique and it's not that again it's not that often where we're going to make that type of intervention but clearly it's really rare for those kind of things to get submitted to us obviously yeah yeah but it does happen occasionally and when that happens it's very obvious not as obvious as when those child what you think are going to be child-friendly works turn out to have little bits of detail in them that could be potentially harmful. I think as examiners, probably the most important thing we do is have an eye out for those. Yeah, and it's weird, the things that you sort of think will be completely innocuous. I think there's in B-movie where an aerosol is used as a flamethrower, which is, you know, they wanted a U for it in the children. Yeah. It all goes to show. Emily Fussell. Don't copy anything we've talked about. I will not. Don't try this at home. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Thank you to our editor, Catherine Anderson. And we should say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass.